Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And Israel has every right to defend itself against a fanatical terrorist group whose stated purpose is to murder Jews and eradicate the Jewish state. Hamas is still holding hostages, including American citizens. Hamas embeds itself and hides itself behind innocent Palestinian civilians. Hamas does not speak for the Palestinian people. Tell that to all the college students there, Secretary Austin. Tell that to all the college students who are absolutely pro-Hamas. Tell that to Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Andre Carson, Jamal Bowman and Akasi Cortez. They are not pro-Palestinian. They are pro-Hamas. And I have had people say to me that they think that I'm being quite bold. They're amazed that I'm able to say such a thing. Why would anybody be amazed that the truth can be told? Except, of course, telling the truth is a uh, is an incredible act these days, right? The truth is what gets people in trouble, which is, of course, why we're having societal issues. When you can't speak the truth, when you are attacked for telling the truth, when you are uh, punished for telling the truth, that's a, that's a thing, was it? Telling the truth, is a, they consider it a subversive act. They consider it whatever they want. Hamas does not speak for the Palestinian people except the people of the United States on college campuses and other places believe that that is indeed the case. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Of course they do. Of course they do. This was Secretary Austin, who is right now in uh, Tel Aviv, and he had more to say. Now, in my meetings today, I also discussed the need to take urgent action to stabilize the West Bank. Attacks by extremist settlers against the Palestinians in the West Bank must stop. And those committing the violence must be held accountable. Now, we know that the past 72 days have been some of the most painful days in Israel's history. But it would compound this tragedy if all that was waiting for the Israeli people and your Palestinian neighbors at the end of this awful war was more insecurity, fury, and despair. As I've said, Israelis and Palestinians have both paid too bitter a price to just go back to October 6th. Now, what's happening in in the West Bank and and, uh, some of the fighting that's happening there, one could argue is unnecessary. One could argue should stop not going to tell those people that they can't have that conversation. But anything that removes from the front page that Hamas must be destroyed, of course, is is a non-argument. This plays into a conversation here in the U.S. Because the the, the story of, of Israel's fight against Hamas, Hamas, a terrorist organization that doesn't believe Israel can exist and set out to murder uh, Jews and murdered 1,200 Jews and others, set babies on fire, beheaded people, burned people alive, 
I mean, this, this is who they are. Well, a, a couple of things have to be taken from this. First, let us, let us engage just some news. It is very obvious that Israel did not understand the strength of the enemy. They have found yet another tunnel. Now, we have known that Gaza and Hamas in Gaza has long had these, these, these tunnel projects where they were able to ferry people to and fro. Tunnels that you could drive multiple cars through, I'm talking about widthwise. Seems that Israel did not know this. Now, what they knew, what they didn't know, what they actually tell us and what they don't, right? There's, there's no way for us to really have an understanding of their uh, intellectual capacity. But this attack took place and clearly Israel didn't know. And this tunnel exists and Israel didn't know. Which would lead one to ask, well, what exactly do they know? And I would argue that they know plenty, but not all. Which means Hamas has gotten very good at this level of planning. I believe this puts within Israel even more onus to destroy Hamas. To understand the depths to which Hamas has uh, strength and capability, funding from Iran, and a willingness to destroy Israel. If they're hiding this, Lord only knows what else is being hidden. I will state again that it is very clear that the camp is set is behind Hamas. This was uh, Toronto, the the Eaton Center, which uh, a mall that I, I've been at, where you have Palestinian people who are pro-Palestinian saying this to cops in Toronto. Telling cops, you come near me and I'll put you laid down on the floor. I'll put you six feet deep. Just so you understand what you're dealing with here. You, you think these people are, are all about uh, having, finding some way to live together and engaging lives? No. They're about the destruction of the other side. Threatening of the other side. And the other side, in this case, is not just Jews... But it's Western civilization. And, and, and someone uh, suggested to me that maybe Western civilization is too heady. And I'm like, uh, I, I think that's a disrespect for an audience uh, that is so great, I don't even know what to say. Does anybody agree that this discussion that we're talking about, the future of Western civiliza- civilization here, is too heady? Well, let's discuss it a- another way. They're going to kill your kids if you don't stand up to them. Your kids are going to get shot in the head. Your kids are going to get set on fire. Your kids are going to get butchered. Your kids are going to get murdered. Do you understand now? All those rabid college students, whether they be from Columbia or Harvard or anywhere else, they'll kill your kids. Does that make it more accessible? You think these people in Toronto, oh, they're just living in Canada. Oh, thank goodness for Canada. Just letting everybody in. What a great uh, policy they have of bringing in immigrants. Good policy today? As you will hear me state more and more often, the issue around the world is not specific, or at least in the United States, and I'll say North America, because we're talking about Canada, is not radical Islamic terrorism. Although that's an issue. The issue is liberalism that will not stand up and say that's wrong.
No one within the Trudeau government will stand up and say, that's disgusting, and we should have our police arrest you on the spot for threatening a cop and physically take you in. And if you want to fight, we'll fight because Canada will not allow itself to be somehow uh, subordinate to your angry fever dreams. Liberals in America are the most dangerous part of America. Liberal policies, liberal philosophies, liberal thoughts. Because liberalism is illiberal. Oh, it gets so heady, but it doesn't. Liberalism does not allow for someone to say that's wrong. All these kids on these college campuses who push for Hamas are wrong. But no one says a word. Because to say a word, well, that's offensive, but it's not offensive. It's rational. There's a conversation to be had about whether or not things can be said on a college campus. That's a free speech conversation. But there should be no conversation that there shouldn't be a response to the bigotry on college campuses. But as I started with, how did we get to this spot? And 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 I've got I've got more of this to to, to, to get to, but let me let me start with two pieces of polling. The first one is from a Harvard-Harris poll. I know it's Harvard. Go with me, would you? 51% of 18 to 24-year-olds, 51% of 18 to 24-year-olds think Israel should be ended and given to Hamas. How is that possible? Ended and given to Hamas. What, is, what does that even mean? The country should cease to exist? The land should be given to a terrorist organization to run? Wait, 51% of 18 to 24-year-olds really think a terrorist organization should be in charge? How is that possible? I'm here to tell you that it's not actually possible. Now, is it? That isn't what they believe. said they believe in a two-state solution. 17% said other Arab states should be asked to absorb Palestinian populations. What are they referring to when they say Israel will be ended and given to Hamas and the Palestinians? Well, I have to take you to another poll. The other poll says 67% of the respondents aged 18 to 24 agree that, quote, Jews are a class, as a class, are oppressors and should be treated as oppressors. Now you're like, wait a second. Israel should be given to Hamas because Jews are oppressors. Well, you hear about the colonizer thing constantly and consistently. The fact that it has no historical connection is inconsequential, but you hear it. And then you're like, okay. I hear about this colonizer thing. I hear this this lie from people like uh, Jew-hating bigot Rashida Tlaib and Jew-hating bigot Andre Carson and Jew-hating bigot Ilhan Omar uh, uh, about apartheid state. What is... But that's also nonsense. What it is, is part and parcel of something that has happened in elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and colleges, which is Marxism. So Marxism reduces the concepts of class struggle or takes the ideas of class struggle and reduces them into two component pieces. And you've heard this before because you've heard it in relationship to DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, which is bigotry. And anybody who has a DEI department 
is engaged in and complicit in bigotry, whether it be a university, whether it be a city, whether it be, for example, the state of Indiana, where we actually have this on a cabinet level. It's disgusting. It's, it, it is immoral. It is the absolute codifying of bigotry. I said it. I meant it. I'll say it again anywhere. But DEI applies things in this same way. Oppressed oppressor. Oppressed oppressor. Remember, in, in, in the world of DEI, uh, you, you've, you've got uh, white people who are oppressors, and you, are who, if you're not white, are oppressed. Now, the fact that you don't feel oppressed, the fact that you're not oppressed, is inconsequential. You are taught that you are oppressed. And every bit of the things like intersectionality and all the other things are built upon this premise. Another way to say this is the way Barack Obama, the former president, used to refer to the 99% and the 1% when we talked about uh, money and paying taxes and, and, and wealth. Another way to say this is Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto, talking about the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, the haves and the have-nots. Everything is reduced so it can be a bite-sized, spoon-fed, oppressed oppressor. Why does one have to have any knowledge of a situation? These people are the oppressors and these people are oppressed. And in this case, they break it down via color of skin. And you're like, wait a second, Israelis in color of skin. This doesn't make any sense. Jews are white. That, if, if you ask, Jews are white. Go, go take a look at the colleges. Ask them the question. Go take a look at the polling. Ask the question. Jews are white. And so therefore the people of Gaza are not white, oppressed oppressors, 99%, 1%, proletariat, bourgeoisie. It is all the same. Through decades of not paying attention to education, to academia, we have allowed this to seep in. We have allowed this to take hold. And it is now this complete thing. Yes, it can be broken in my view, but understand how complete it is. It is so complete that the university professors will not speak out against it, not just because they are cowards and lowly in far too many cases, but because they believe it true. Not only do they believe it true, their liberalism prevents them from being able to engage because to speak out against it would be bigoted in and of itself. Thus, we go back to the origin of the conversation. Liberalism is the most dangerous thing in America. It is wholly illiberal. It doesn't allow for free speech or free minds. It allows for one collective thought. And if you are not within the thought, therefore, you must be oppressing somebody. These university students have no minds in the main, have no thoughts in the main. These students, not all students, these students, everything is in this guise, everything is in this vein, everything is in this vision. How does one break this? Well, first, one uh, uh, votes for people who understand that you have to destroy the terrorist organization to have peace. Hamas must be destroyed for peace in, uh, to exist in Israel. And Hamas must be destroyed for America to be safer because Lord only knows what Iran is doing and trying to attack the United States and other parts of Western civilization. 
Number two, the university system must be broken, just like the union system must be broken, so these teachers no longer have the control that they once had. And that's homeschooling, and that's private schooling, and that's busting the unions in half. That is parents paying attention to what's happening in their schools, fighting what's happening in schools, demanding better of the school libraries, demanding better of the education. And when people say, how dare you, paying no attention to those bigots and keep pushing forward. And number three, and number three, just like we're seeing on Harvard, where law firms are now saying, we no longer hire from Harvard. It's time to stop hiring and time to stop engaging with these so-called ISIS League schools. Well, they used to be Ivy League schools. Now they're just ISIS League schools. They have to learn the hard way. Their bigotry will not be rewarded. We will get more into it. This is Tony Katz today. The Delaware police have arrested the driver who hit the Biden motorcade. This was crazy yesterday. And, you know, I, I, I look forward to Joe Biden not being president of the United States. And I don't think that Joe Biden is mostly aware of, of where he's at at any one time. I'm not diagnosing the man. This is a personal opinion. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. But he's coming out of a, of a campaign headquarters in Delaware. And he's asked a question by a reporter about why he's losing the Trump in in the polls. And he's like, you're reading the wrong polls. That's not the story. This is the story. Mr. President, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? That crash was somebody hitting a car, a Secret Service car that's acting as a barrier, blocking the road. And the video shows Biden turning to look what it is and some of the Secret Service look and see what it is and then moving him into the car. In my view, they ain't moving him fast enough. Look, no matter what I think about Biden policies or Biden as as a person, I don't want to see the man get hurt at all. And I am asking out loud, how come they didn't move faster? This guy hit the the car that was blocking the road and then actually tried to drive around it. Secret Service, of course, was was there. They have to command this guy to, I think, get out of his car. The president was then uh, um, put into the motorcade and they left without further incident. So according uh, to this, Secret Service handed the investigation to the police. They didn't consider the driver a serious threat. Well, good. But let me say for the record, I, I, you, you watch the video. I think we've got it over at TonyCats.com. I, I, it's not that I want to see the Secret Service panic. It's I, want to see, I wanted to see him move faster. And maybe I'm the only one. Who's like, are they moving slow? And maybe it's like, Tony, you have to understand and reactions and, and, and systems and all. I would like to have seen them move faster. That said, I'm glad it was nothing more than what it was. And I'm glad the man's okay. And now let's vote him out of office. The guy in question charged with driving under the influence and inattentive driving. He's lucky that's all he's charged with. This is Tony Katz today.
concerned because the Republicans have never gotten immigration right. That's just the fact of it. Um, there's not very much that the Republicans get right in general. And so to basically say that issues of national security as it relates to how we're going to take care of our allies should be tied to this mangled immigration process is absolutely insane. I mean, when you look at somebody like Greg Abbott, my governor, and his solution, his solution is to basically say, hey, we're going to kill people that are trying to come in. Like, that's not a solution. Like, the Republicans don't have the solutions. They want to continue to defund the aid that is going not the aid, but they're continuing to defund um, border security. Well, I mean, who's going to sign up for this job and you're not paying worth anything? That's Representative Jasmine Crockett, who, as you have heard, sounds like a fool. Just, hey, I'm going to go on MSNBC, hate Republicans, be done. There's just no place in this for, for this. There's no conversation taking place here. You don't like the idea that Republicans want to tie Ukraine funding to the border. I'm sorry you don't like it, but here we are. Now what? Do you want the border to be secure, yes or no? You, you, you seem to act like you want the border to be secure, and the Republicans can't do it, so what is your plan? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. I'm asking you, Representative Crockett, what is your plan? I don't think you have a plan. I think you sound like a child. You sound like a fool. No part of me from that uh, encounter that you just had with MSNBC makes me feel like you've got a real understanding of the issue. Let me see if I can give you an understanding of the issue. December migrant encounters are up nearly 30% from November. This according to Customs and Border Patrol. Now what? The Tucson sector. We're now into Arizona, leading the charge. The Democrat governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, Lord only knows how she won against Carrie Lake. I know it's Carrie Lake, but still, Katie Hobbs ran a child's campaign where she never, ever actually did anything. She's saying that the Biden administration isn't doing enough, that this is simply untenable. And that we have to do more. We're going to push the administration to try and do more. But we simply can't have this. The border is the number one issue in America. Roughly 10,000 more people were apprehended daily last week. And every day surpassed 10,000 migrants. Sunday, they only had 9,900. They only had 9,900 on, on, on Friday. Is this not a, a serious issue? This is the governor of Arizona, Democrat Katie Hobbs. I'm here at the Lukeville Port of Entry to assess the situation on the ground firsthand and get Customs and Border Patrol the resources they need to reopen our port of entry. Border security is a top priority, and as long as I'm governor, I'll do whatever I can to end the chaos at the border. I'm not afraid to stand up to politicians on either side who aren't doing what's in the best interests of Arizona. And I'm taking action. This week, I sent a letter to President Biden demanding the resources and manpower to open this port of entry and we announced Operation Secure to step up state support for local law enforcement. 
But Arizona can't do this alone, nor should we have to. We're asking the federal government to reimburse us for the cost uh, to Arizonans. For far too long, Arizona has borne the brunt of federal inaction on our southern border, and I'm tired of it. Now is not the time for partisan politics. It's time for action. Oh, okay. Let's go back to Representative Crockett. The Republicans have no plan. But here is the governor of a border state begging for help. Are you there to help her? Yes or no? Somebody asked Representative Crockett if she's willing to help Katie Hobbs, Democrat. By the way, uh, in Arizona, during that election, they referred to Katie Hobbs as a Muppet. For the way she sounds and the sheepishness and the, the childlike, just all so ridiculous. All so ridiculous. But there she is. So you know, you now have Katie Hobbs saying the Biden administration has to do more. You now have John Fetterman saying the Biden administration should do more to help Israel. Uh, it, it can't be easy. It cannot easy, be easy for the political left. And, this is, and, I, and I'll go back to it, by the way. The problem with liberalism is that it is wholly illiberal. And these people who are speaking out, whether it be Governor Hobbs or Senator Fetterman, I don't agree with them on a great number of things. I have been very, very direct. But I never said they couldn't say the things that they were saying. I disagreed with what they were saying. Amongst Democrats, these people are now persona non grata. They're not good enough. They don't understand. Seems that they understand pretty dang well. This border continues to grow in danger. Representative Dan Crenshaw speaking on Fox News. Well, and it's not just Senate Democrats. I mean, you have the man at the table, uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas, has said there's no problem at the border. He said the border is secure. Uh, I mean, he didn't say there's no problem, but he did say the border is secure when it clearly is not. So how can a person who says that be a part of this negotiating process? Yeah, and you wonder why we want to impeach him, right? So, well, you know, <laughs> the, 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 main, the main issues are, it, it's not with CBP, right? You, you can't put more Border Patrol agents on the border and fix this problem. You can't just add more money to the problem and say it's going to be fixed. I mean, Biden requested $14 billion for the border. Well, that's all great, but that's not going to fix anything. You need to change policy. And so what the, Senator Langford and, and we have, have proposed is, Look, you have to change certain laws. You have to change the asylum laws. You have to make them more stringent. Uh, you have to make expulsion authority easier, similar to Title 42, but, but not related to health-related incidents. Uh, you have to make it more likely than not that when somebody crosses the border illegally, they're going to get deported back or they're right. going to get detained. They're right. not going to get released in the United right. States. If you do that, people will stop. Or at least they back. have to stay in Mexico while they're waiting for their asylum claims like they did during Trump administration. That was really key because there are all these phony asylum claims that, that really don't stick quickly. Right. Uh, so- and yes, and, and well pointed out uh, that they are phony asylum claims. Something we've been talking about here for years, how the NGOs, non-governmental organizations teach people uh, to, to, to lie about crossing the border. What we haven't answered in all this is how does this now become something for the election? Whether it's Trump or, or, or DeSantis or Haley, 
and and right now it's certainly looking like Trump. We're just days away from the Iowa caucuses. We'll wait for that. Just just as let let's just say for the candidate. Leave it there just for this conversation. How do they use it? I'm not so sure that the Republican Party is game planned this yet. And and, and I'm I'm saying I'm not so sure because it's the Republican Party and they're really bad at game planning things. So let us do it. How do you discuss the border in a way to grab Americans' attention and then focus attention on the powers that be, meaning the Democratic Party, even though there are Democrats who are opposed to what Biden is doing, and put the blame directly on them for their failures, and yes, the failures of Mayorkas. Uh, I believe that that the answer is is twofold. Fentanyl and children. No child in the United States is safe with this border policy. Now, you've heard me say that Representative, for example, Representative Ocasio-Cortez doesn't care about brown children. I've said it. I've meant it. I'll say it to anybody. She doesn't care about brown children. When Trump was president, there she is at the border, dressed in white, crying, sobbing to no one, by the way. It was a photo op. The, there were the, the fence that she was at, you could simply walk around. Photographers were there laying on the ground taking the picture. There was nobody there. It was a photo op. She's a fraud. But she at least engages the fraud for political purpose. And the political purpose was to put pressure on Trump and say, look at how terrible, look how he puts kids in cages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Biden today has the has different kids in the same cages, and she doesn't take any photos. But fentanyl is now killing the kids. And Representative Ocasio-Cortez is nowhere to be found. She hates brown children. She doesn't care about the children who are carried across the border by coyotes, by these mules who are sex trafficked. She takes no pictures over these last three years. She does not care about brown children. She does not care about little girls getting raped. She doesn't care. Now you're going to tell me that's unbelievably harsh. And I say to you, yes, I agree it is harsh that Representative Ocasio-Cortez doesn't care. But don't get angry with me for noting when she took a photo op and when she hasn't. Rather, let us discuss that what is happening at the border is evil, not only for those children who are being trafficked through Mexico at the shame of Mexico, and we should be responsive to Mexico by shaming them and saying to them, we won't accept this, but also other nations in South America and Central America. Let us not only respond to that, but what's happening to children right here in the United States who are getting poisoned. Clearly, we do not have to be political when it comes to our children being killed. This is step one for the Republican Party. Clearly, we can put the politics aside to stop the fentanyl from coming into the country. This drug that gets utilized by hospitals and others, but you have the synthetics, you have what China is is doing, you have (laughs) drugs and other things, forgive me, the cold has not yet gone away, laced with these things, killing children, killing others. Clearly, 
just clearly, we can, as a society, agree to stop this. Republicans stand committed to stopping this, and here is our plan. At both legal ports of entry and illegally. Here is the work we will do. Here are the laws we will engage. Here are the laws already on the books that we will enforce. And we will have a better border system with a better Secretary of Homeland Security and better this and better that and better resources. That conversation should be happening now. It should be happening right now. It's not. So that's... That is number one on on, on fentanyl. Number two, the conversation should be, we will not live in a world where children are trafficked. There are many children who want to be a part of the American dream, and we should be very welcoming of those kids. But we cannot be welcoming of the trafficking that brings them here. So it must be our policy to say no to the trafficking by being more aggressive with the traffickers. These kids deserve better. And if these kids are at risk, then American kids are at risk. We must put an end to this by changing our policies and our relationships with these other nations that clearly allow this to happen. We cannot allow the United States to be this termination spot somehow complicit in the abuse of kids. It has to end, and it must end by the United States starting to let our friends and allies in Central and Southern America know that we won't take it and we hold them responsible. Children being trafficked is not some kind of green emergency where these people are climate refugees. Children being trafficked is happening because cartels and others are making a buck off of it. Not on our watch. And friends do not allow others to make money off of children. So we will therefore change our policies with Mexico and with others, that if they allow this, then that means we can't be friends. That means we cannot deliver you any dollars or aid. And it means that we will unilaterally, if necessary, engage on any soil necessary to ensure the safety of American citizens by ensuring the safety of children all around the globe. Now that's aggressive. You heard it, and you know it's aggressive. I believe those two things would put Democrats on their heels because they can't say those words. They can't say those words. Now, let me take that back. Maybe some of them can. Maybe Fetterman and Hobbes, can you imagine that I'm saying this? It's unbelievable, right? Would be like, I'm in for that. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, let's get this done. But not Ocasio-Cortez. Not Representative Crockett, not Joe Biden, not Mayorkas. No, no, no. They'll tell you how Republicans aren't serious. Don't sell this to media. Sell it right to the American people. A plan to protect our children and then to protect children. This is, the Republicans can't do this? Now, I know what you're saying. 
No, Tony, they're Republicans. They don't know how to do this. Oh, holy hell, you know you're right. You know you're right. I know you're right. They know you're right. The border is the subject. And I want to talk about ways to win the conversation and to start fixing it. I'm Tony Katz. And today in social media, a fight at Waffle House. I mean, just like 20 people just beating the daylights out of each other. Girls beating up girls, guys beating up guys, guys beating up girls. It's a waffle, people. I mean, this has just become the standard. I, I really, this should become a daily thing. Today in social media, there's something crazy happening constantly. But the fighting thing is 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 remarkable, um, and and that it happens, and 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 like you have guys punching women, and, and, and people are like, "Well, what do you expect? What do you mean? What do I expect? Well, what do I? Why is any of this happening? Is this something culturally that well, this is how people handle things, or is this something culturally about people being on edge, or and why are we videotaping any of it? And maybe the question is for me: Why the hell am I watching? This is Tony Katz today.